0: Father, we, we come to you
1: now, Lord, and we are so much needing you. We need Jesus. We need, Lord, to see you this morning, just right now, Lord, on the cross, dying for our sins. And so we pray, Lord, that as we, we, we open your word, we open, your heart, open our hearts to your word, that you would, Lord, bring us back to Calvary Lord, as we take these elements soon and we reach our hand, bring us into a participation. Lord, to say with our hands, we believe, we have received you, and we worship you for going to the cross for us. Prepare our hearts now for the communion, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three, the passage speaking about the breaking of bread. And so important for us to once again fix our minds. You know, we've heard this passage so many times, but this is the danger we face in the word of God is that we can become over-familiar so that right away when we hear something or start right away just, oh, I know that. Oh, yeah, I know, click. And click is the door being closed. And so we wanna just come and pretend we've never read this before. We've never heard of this before. This is the first time, and the thrill of the discovery for the first time, that's what we want. So let's read. 1 Corinthians eleven, twenty-three. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord." But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now, today, again, before we participate in the breaking of bread, We wanna make sure that, like I was just saying about the passage here, we can be robbed from the meaning of the passage if we just go click, I know that, and say, but we can also be robbed of the meaning of the breaking of the bread if we're not careful about the meaning. And today, we wanna be sure that we understand the first thoroughly of the two serious warnings of eating the bread and drinking the juice, what's called unworthily. See, it's very dangerous to participate in the breaking of the bread unworthily. And those warnings are so serious that we're told that to disregard this warning is to result in some cases in sickness and even in death of believers. So we wanna consider more carefully the first warning about the eating of the bread and drinking the juice unworthily. So in our consideration, we saw last time that the breaking of bread is precious. It's very precious. People, some people are saved at a breaking of the bread ceremony, participation. The breaking of the bread is precious. The breaking of the bread is serious. And the breaking of the bread is demanding. It's demanding to us. It demands from us an enthusiastic willingness. You know, you know not just, oh, well, yeah, okay, I'll do this. okay, next. No, it demands from us an enthusiasm, and it demands us to be worthy And so when we come to this subject of how the breaking of the bread demands us to be worthy, we see this word unworthily and how it appears twice in our text. Once in, in the 27th verse, wherefore whosoever eateth this bread and drinketh this cup unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, the body and blood of the Lord. And then verse 28, but let, let a man examine himself And so let him eat of this bread and drink of this cup. Sorry, and then further on down the second one, but we're really concentrating on the first one. So, this first case of unworthily in verse 27 whosoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, that's what happens when a person, in verse 27, that's what happens when a person does not do verse 28. Which is let a man examine himself. This is the first warning we saw, and and that's and that's what we we come to this table. So what we don't want to do is to disregard personal sin, and the first requirement to coming to the table is to deal with personal sin, and no one should come to this table and do what David warned about in Psalm sixty six eighteen when he said, "If I regard." iniquity in my heart. He goes on to say, the Lord will not hear me. The Hebrew word, therefore, regard, is the common word for see. Uh, uh, rah, just see, just see. So in other words, and, and that, that word is all throughout the Bible, but it first appears in the fourth verse of Genesis 1, when it said, and the Lord saw, Genesis 1, 4, the Lord saw the light, that it was good. That's, that's the word. And he saw. He divided the light from the dark. So when we understand that, then we can say that Psalm sixty six eighteen 18 is really this. If I see iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. God has a way. He has a way to make us see sin in our hearts. We don't have to so much worry about it because he has a conscience he's given to us. He brings it. People will speak to us. Something will light up in us or whatever it is. He has a way so that we shouldn't walk around with, the, oh my, I got sin in my heart. I can't. God says, I'll take care of it. Don't worry. But we do have a way to naturally want to disregard it. And that's the problem. So the application for the breaking of bread is if I examine myself and I see iniquity in my heart, then I shouldn't take this bread. See? Because I shouldn't. Be. If I examine myself and I see iniquity in my heart that's not forgiven, then I should not participate. If I examine myself and I see iniquity in my heart because I have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as my savior, and I'm not forgiven for my sin, I've never become a believer, I've never taken him as my sin offering, I shouldn't participate. (laughs) Because the breaking of bread is an opportunity right now for self-examination. And as we do that, we say, if I'm not a believer, and I examine myself, and I see unforgiven sin in my heart, who doesn't? That's not forgiven because I've never received the Lamb of God. I've never received the Lord Jesus Christ. Then now's the time to receive him. Now's the time to receive the Lord to participate in the breaking of bread. And if I am a believer and I examine myself and I see iniquity in my heart that's not forgiven because I haven't confessed my sin, then now's the time. This is the time. This is the opportunity time to confront sin so that I can now participate in the breaking of bread in order to to take to heart this first warning for the breaking of bread, we have to examine ourselves. We have to examine our hearts and see if there's sin in our hearts, and then we have to confront sin. You know, confrontation is not pleasant, but it's necessary. And, and, and naturally, who likes confrontation? I mean, some people do, I guess, but <laughs> they're the ones who are always arguing with us. Anyway, we, we, naturally, we don't like confrontation. We, we we're judged, just rather, just hope it goes away. Ignore the problem and just hope it goes away on its own. But God gives clear instructions. You must confront sin. And he gives us the how to confront sin. He says, first instruction about what we're to do as we examine our hearts and we find personal sin. He says, the first instruction, first step is in Psalm 32, five. I acknowledged my sin unto thee. Mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. The first instruction is encompassed in the word that David said, acknowledged. Acknowledged. Acknowledged is also a very simple word, yada. It's the word no. So in other words, David is saying, I acknowledged my sin, I know my sin. And my iniquity have I not hid, and I'll, I'll confess my transgression. See, the first action is to, is to take with our personal sin is to not hide it, not pretend it doesn't exist, and don't ignore it. See, King Solomon used another word. You know, David said hide, and King Solomon said in Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh, them shall have mercy. See, we shouldn't cover our sin with an excuse like, you know, I've been under a lot of pressure this last week, and, and that's why I did it. You know, if you knew what I had to go through. You know, that, that's, that we shouldn't make any kind of excuse for sin. That's covering. That's covering the sin with, I was under a lot of pressure. Another way to cover sin and hide it is to whitewash it. To whitewash this and it says, Well, you know, I'm just human. I'm human, and others are doing it too. So it's not so bad. That's covering, that's hiding. See, to hide or cover personal sin is to become passive about sin, to avoid the confrontation. But when we see sin, it's a call to action. And we can see this in the prodigal son. When the prodigal son he, he saw clearly his sin in Luke 15, 18, when he said, I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. See, when the prodigal son said, I will arise and go, that was action. The the prodigal son wasn't passive over his sin, but he took this action. He said, I'll arise and go. And when we see personal sin, it's a call for us, don't be passive. Don't reject it, but rise to action. Rise to action. So the first step is to keep sin front and center, front and center in our view and to not let ourselves get distracted away from sin, but we let it stay right in front of us. We don't ignore it because keeping sin in front of our eyes that we need to confess is doing what David said in Psalm 51.3, for I acknowledge, again, I know, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Now, why was David's sin ever before him? Because he kept it ever before him and he wouldn't let it go out of his sight until he dealt with it. And our sins, they want to run away. Our sins, they want to run away. They want to get out of our sight. You know, there's some animals you keep your eye on, them, they freeze, the minute you turn your head, they want away. That's our sin. Our sin does that. So the second action or step is to see our sin for its most terrible aspect. The worst part about our sin is not what it does to us. The worst part about our sin is not what it does to others. The worst part about our sin is what it does and what David described in Psalm 51, four, speaking to God, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So to really know the most and the awful part about sin is to know how our sin is against God and how it's a personal offense against God. A third action, David said in Psalm thirty-eight, eighteen, I will be sorry for my sin. I will be sorry. For when David said those words, I will be sorry for my sin, he was saying, I will be sorry for my It's a matter of my will. I have decided I haven't waited until I feel sorry. I have decided to be sorry for my sin. See, David was sorry for his sin because he willed to be sorry for his sin. It's very easy to say, you know, well, I know I've sinned. I know it's wrong, but I don't feel so bad about it. In fact, I kind of like it. It's very easy to do that, but he says, no, I will. See, the third step is to be sorry for our sin. That means to hate what we did and not want to do it again. And if we find ourselves caught in a trap of doing it again, of continuing to sin, that's time to ask God for deliverance. Time to ask God for deliverance from a sinful habit. And if we find ourselves caught in the trap of enjoying sin, I enjoy it, and we don't want to be sorry for it, that's time to ask God for deliverance for not being willing to be sorry for our sin. Second deliverance. A fourth action for sin, is seen in what David said, again, in Psalm 38, 18. He says, I will declare my iniquity. I will declare my iniquity. So this is dealing with sin. This is the declaration or the confession of sins to God. See, declaration of sin is very personal between us and God. As David said, I acknowledge my sin unto thee in Psalm 32, 5. I acknowledge my sin unto thee mine iniquity have not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, unto thee, unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity in my heart. I acknowledge my sin unto thee. The words unto thee clearly show that we tell God directly that we've sinned. I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. See, those words unto the Lord clearly show we are to confess our sins to the Lord. Those verses tell us we don't need a priest to confess our sins to. We don't go to a priest, but we go to God directly to confess our sins. Those verses tell us we don't need a confessional booth to declare our sins, we declare our sins directly to God. And only after we've taken the first step of grabbing hold of our sins, which are trying to run away, and keeping them before our eyes, and only after we've taken the second step of seeing the awful, part of our sins, how it's a personal offense against God. And only after we take the third step of being sorry for our sins, are we ready to take the fourth step of confessing. You know, so often we, 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 we sin and we just say, oh, race right to the fourth step. Of the, well, you know, if you just, yeah, fine, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I, I confess my sin to you. But, but there is a sequence. And the fifth step is seen in Psalm 25, 18. Psalm 25, 18, look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Psalm 51, nine, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. See, this fifth step is to ask God for forgiveness. So the fourth step is declare. The fifth step is ask God for forgiveness. Yeah. Ask God for forgiveness. Now, the sixth step is seen in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Second 2 Chronicles 7, 14 says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, heal their land. So the sixth step is to believe that God has forgiven our confessed sins. See, it all centers on this word will in the times it's used in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. Then will I hear from heaven, God speaking, and will forgive their sins, God speaking, and will heal their land, God speaking. So the sixth step is to believe that God wants to forgive our sins. He wants to forgive our sins, and he's inviting us to come and have him forgive our sins. As it says, his invitation is in Isaiah 118. Come now, let's reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Why? Because he wants to. The sixth step is to believe in the willingness of God to forgive sin. As it says in Psalm 103, verse 3, Psalm 103, verse 3, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. And then in Psalm eighty-six, five: for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And Micah seven eighteen says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. That's not the way we think of God naturally. But Micah says, Who is God? That's actually the meaning of his name, Micah. Micah means who is God. Who is God that he, he pardons iniquity? He passes by the transgression of the remnant. He doesn't retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. It's to believe that God delights in mercy. The sixth step is to believe that God delights in mercy. The sixth step is to believe that God forgives our sins by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As it says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And 1 Peter 1.18 says, For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Just pull those words out. Redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And as we come to the table, that should be in our mind. We take the put our hand forward. We're saying, I'm redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And to realize it's God who says in Isaiah 43, 25, Isaiah 43, 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression for mine own namesake and will not remember thy sins. The seventh step, seventh last step is to believe his words in Isaiah 43, 25, will not remember thy sins that what God forgives, he forgets. The seventh status believe that what, what he said in Psalm 103.12, Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. And in Micah 7.19, he will turn again, he will have compassion on us, he will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. I'm looking at that map over there and thinking about all the depths of the sea. That's where God does. So the proof that we've taken this seventh step of believing that God forgives what he forgets is that we will do what it says in Isaiah 44, 22. Isaiah 44, says, I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions and as a cloud thy sins return unto me. Return unto me for I have redeemed thee. The proof, we will return to God. The proof we don't believe, we won't return to God. But if we believe that what he forgives, he forgets, we'll return to God. We will not let our sins keep us away from God. And this will be seen in Israel. It's coming. The illustration is coming from the Jewish people when they know when they know that the Lord Jesus Christ has forgiven the Jewish people for saying, crucify him, crucify him, his blood be on us and on our children, when they know that he has forgiven them, they will return to him. As it says in Isaiah 51.11, Isaiah 51.11, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, with everlasting joy shall be upon their head and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee. So, as we prepare now for the Lord's table, first step, search our hearts. We search our hearts for sin, and then we follow the steps. First, not let our sins run away from us. Not let them hide, not cover them, not ignore them, not whitewash them. Second, see the real awfulness of our sins in what, and how it has personally offended God. Third, be sorry to God for our sins. Fourth, confess our sins to God. Fifth, ask God to forgive us. Sixth, believe that God wants to forgive our sins, and he does forgive our confessed sins on the basis of the blood of Christ. And then last, believe that what God forgives, he forgets. Let's go to the Lord in the table.
0: Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th, and Saturday morning, February 10th, at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel, Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com, ReachIsrael.com.